You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus, and I'm back to take your questions again in our Q&A. I believe it's week 26, and it is the 21st of May. It's the first week that we've been able to go out and to do a little bit more um, with family and with friends this week, and also go to the pubs a little bit more, um, and to have some more indoor um, activities. So, um, by all accounts, that's looking good for the music industry. Um, there is a program on Sky Arts, just to get straight to it, called The Live Revival. And that's talking, uh, they've got interviews with people like Noel Gallagher, Paul Weller, um, Skunk, um, Skunk and Nancy, yeah, Skin from Skunk and Nancy. And they're talking about where they started and how important grassroots music is. So I didn't expect to get a call from them, and uh, I still don't. But um, it's nice to know that uh, they care, or at least they're putting their uh, four penneth in about grassroots music so if you get a chance to catch that it's called the live revival and it's on sky arts i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but everybody's telling me or emailing me or whatsapping me saying marcus you've got to watch that so um i'm going to be watching that i hope everyone's really really well and um it's it's a bit windy isn't it it's a bit windy today um pretty pretty windy and i reckon it's going to stay for a few days just a quick weather report there because we like to cover music and we like to cover the weather here on the grassroots, which brings me actually to my first question. And the first question comes from Val. And Val says, my grandson, my grandson Alfie wonders why it is that sometimes you say it's a nice day when it's raining, or sometimes you say it's raining when it's sunny out. He doesn't think it's live. (laughs) Well, it isn't. Alfie, hello, mate. It isn't live, but um, at the moment, I've changed things around the last couple of weeks. I'll let you into a little secret, which I'm sure is not really that big a secret. And that is, I used to record the Grassroots podcasts on the Monday or the Tuesday of that week. And they would go out on the Friday at six o'clock. But over the last two or three weeks, because I've been busy um, again, and I've been working back in the studio again with uh, Arthur, uh, Arthur Knoll on um, the Men of Earth album, which we've now finished um, and we've certainly uh, mastered, uh, mixed and mastered. And we're just listening to it for now for 10 days or so, um, just to make sure there isn't anything that we need to just tweak on it before I'll start uh, getting it ready for um, release, which uh, involves uploading it and um, converting it to decent you know, decent quality MP3 and all that sort of stuff. So I've been busy the last couple of weeks back in the studio again, recording and and this week back in person um, teaching again, which has been nice. But you've obviously got the guidelines wiping everything down and people wearing masks and sort of they're sat at one end of the studio and I'm the other end. But people have been able to come in person and it's been really, really nice because um, it's just so easy um, to work that way. But your question was, um, why is it sometimes I talk about the weather being nice when it's raining? It's because I talk about the weather being nice on the day I record it. And uh, sometimes I'll say, oh, we've had a bit of wind recently or we've had a bit of rain recently or whatever. Um, but this one you're hearing today um, at six o'clock is actually being recorded at the moment. It's 11.34. So I'm recording it in the morning for release in the afternoon, which to a certain extent puts a little bit of pressure on. Um, but to another extent, I think um, it works for me because it means that it's kind of relevant. Um, and I found it a lot more enjoyable to not have it hanging around for two or three days before it comes out. Because what I normally do is record it, listen to it a couple of times just to make sure it's all good to go. 
Um, and by which time, when it comes out on the Friday, um, I've heard it a few times and, um, you know, I'm okay with it. But with this, now I kind of know the formula and I know pretty much what I've got to do. And I know what I can and can't say, right? I, I've always known that. So Alfie, I record it now on the day that it goes out. So when I say it's windy today, it is windy. I promise you, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible day out there. And apparently over the next couple of days, it's not going to get any less windy. So that is why sometimes um, I talk about it being sunny when it's raining and raining when it's sunny. Because I recorded it a few days before. But now it's recorded on the day and goes out at six o'clock tonight. So that's why um, now it's going to be a bit more relevant. Because you weren't the only one who mentioned that. Um, fun, funny enough, of all people, my mum said to me, I listened to a bit of that thing the other day, and you said um, it was raining, and, and I was sat in the garden listening to it. So I said, well, it wasn't live. I said, no, I know it wasn't live, but, you know, how far in advance was it? So there we are. So that was that was the, um, that's why sometimes uh, I get the weather reports wrong. But what's the point of that? You're listening, you're listening to grassroots music, not the weather report. But thank you for noticing uh, Alfie and thank you Val for bringing it to my attention because at least I know that you're both listening to it and if you're asking questions about it then that's kind of good for me it means that uh, I'm staying relevant even if I'm getting the weather report wrong god bless you mate I hope you're doing well at school as well Alfie by the way I hope you're paying as much attention to school as you are to my podcast uh, and good luck to you mate all right and the next question comes from Hazel and Hazel is over there in Billericay, just well, just past Billericay, actually. Um, Ramsden Heath, they call it, or towards Billericay. And Hazel's got a very, very good question. She says, Hi, Marcus, I heard you mention on one of your interviews that you are colourblind. Taking music as an art form, um, and as a painter myself, who believes that certain colours give you different textures and different ideas and different feelings, I wondered, being colourblind, if it's not too personal a question if that's ever impacted you when it comes to creating music or creating a scenario or painting pictures with music, if you have a limited spectrum of colour. I hope this isn't too personal, but uh, I love your podcast and I hope you are well and I wish you all the best. Hazel, um, I think it's one of those things, that, yeah, I mean, the only time that, that the colour blindness has ever really affected me um, has been, what I've talked about before is sometimes on karaoke, you might get um, green writing on a yellow background and sometimes you, it's not easy to, to differentiate what the words are. It's okay if you're fairly close, but if you're six, eight foot away from it, from the screen, sometimes that isn't easy. But I think where music's concerned, music's so, so descriptive. And uh, I, I get where you're coming from because um, when it comes to art... There are things in, in the national galleries and things like that, like um, they call it, I, I can't remember, through my complete and utter ignorance, Hazel, who it is who's painted it, but there's a piece called Perfect Blue or Ultimate Blue or something. Um, and it's just blue. It's just a blue canvas. And the first time you see it, you look at it and you sort of go, well, my son could do that. But it's after closer inspection and people explaining to you that, the artist had spent six months getting the perfect blue. Um, and the more you look at it, the more it makes sense. So I suppose to a certain extent, um, 
when it comes to things like that. And I can see blue. I mean, I think it's a misconception. And, and, and by no way am I having a go at you, Hazel, because you aren't the first person to ask me about my colour blindness. And my brother is colour blind as well. Um, and apparently my daughter is colour blind, which is quite rare in, in women. So um, I don't know, but she says she's colour blind. Um, I think the misconception is that when you're colour blind, you see everything like a dog sees it. You see everything in black and white, but you don't. It's only really certain colours that you can't see. Um, for instance, in my case, it's a sort of a dark red and a brown sometimes. Although I've never been playing snooker and, and hit the brown instead of the red. Um, so maybe my, maybe mine's a slightly darker darker brown, whereas I know Peter Ebden, one of the snooker players, a few times has potted the brown instead of the red and fouled, or potted the red instead of a brown and fouled, because he couldn't differentiate between the, the two colours. Um, it hasn't affected me when it comes to describing things, because you kind of know that daffodils are yellow. You kind of know that uh, snooker balls are red or, or you know, you, you, you kind of know through uh, descriptions of things so from from other art forms, from from poems and from stories and things like that. You kind of know what colours they are. So if you see something and you immediately notice what the shape of it is and, you know, for instance, you might see a flower or you might see it. Let's see, you see a poppy. You know it's a poppy, and even though you may you may struggle to to notice the redness of the poppy, you know it's red, because so many people over the years have told you, and so many people have have written poetry about poppies being red. So you know they're red. I think where it gets difficult. I mean, my my uncle worked for um, BT for years and was doing all of the rewiring stuff, and he was colorblind. But you kind of know the order of the wires and you kind of know your job, I suppose. As far as I'm aware, he never blew himself up. He's still here. Um, but, um, yeah, you don't really... Um, it's not like it impedes you in any way because if you're singing... If I were, if I were to write a song tomorrow about singing about the daffodils in, in, the, in the grass, which if I ever do, by the way, if I ever write a song about daffodils swaying in the grass, um, can somebody shoot me? Because I, I consider myself a bit of a rock and roll, you know, musician and, and daffodils and stuff like that. So if I ever did, there, there's a place for that, but that ain't my thing. Um, but uh, if I ever were to write a song about daffodils and grass, then I would know about the yellow daffodils and the green grass. I wouldn't, it wouldn't impede my, um, my creativeness in terms of, of uh, writing uh, song because I would know about the blue sky and even if I did see things in black and white I would know about the blue sky I would know about the um, the green grass because it's been we've been told about that for so many years if we were all born with with nobody able to describe things to us or never talk to us about anything um, or if we hadn't grown up listening or reading things like the faraway tree which we know is a big green tree in a big green forest because Enie Blyton tells us that um, so therefore, if I go to a forest, even if I see in black and white, I know that the trees are green and I know that the grass is green because that's what I've been told. But if we were born having no conception of any of that and there weren't any other art forms except um, music, then maybe my perception of how I see things um, might be different. But I've never written a song that had anything to do with um being colorblind or or the idea of being colorblind or the idea of seeing things not quite being what they are um but 
it's a really good question, Hazel, and and I'd be interested if anybody out there has got any thoughts on that. Um, if there would be a, a situation other than when you're trying to read um, a karaoke track and it's the two colours you can't see, so therefore you can't find the words in the music. Um, or sometimes if you're choosing a guitar, many times I've chosen a guitar that I thought or looked at a guitar that I thought was a certain colour and then it was another colour. And I've said, you know, it's a nice dark red and it's not. It's like a brown colour, you know. And so I haven't bought the wrong one. And most of the time there's a sticker on it that tells you or you can, uh, where it impedes me. Actually, I'll tell you something as well, um, Hazel. Sometimes if I'm buying something online, music, music equipment online, I'll often scroll down, guitars in particular, scroll down and just check the specs on it because online you can't always see the, the colours. But I might not be alone with that. But when somebody takes a photo, many times I've, I've looked at a guitar that I thought was black guitar and it's like a very, very dark purple. But I haven't realised, looking from the, looking at the photos on eBay, um, you can't really see. That might just be the light or the flash of the camera or something. But uh, So I've had to scroll down the specs to see what the colour was. And if it didn't tell you, then I've emailed them or, or messaged them and just said, could you tell me what colour this is? Because it looks black to me, but I just want to double check. So in that instance, sometimes um, that's on, on a musical level, but it, I don't think it's ever affected how I felt about anything. It's never affected how I wrote about anything and it's never really affected um, how, I, how I feel or how I could take colour as being something that's important because we kind of tell people in our songs that the grass is green and the daffodils are yellow. Um, we don't see it as a visual thing. But... Um, a great question, actually, and quite uh, quite a different question from Hazel there, who, who um, has touched on something, and I hope that people will uh, respond to that. Send me your emails if you find that being colourblind has impeded you in any way, because we're not alone. There's lots of us out there, and it's not a disability. It's not a problem. It's just uh, it's perceived as something far worse than it actually is, and it's... It's really not that bad, uh, Hazel, I promise you. But thank you very much for your question, love. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you, your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com for further information. Edna from Romford says, Hi Marcus, I've seen you a few times at the Rusk Club and I've always enjoyed your show. Say hello to Ken for me. I will do. I will say hello to Ken for you, Edna. She said, I just wondered, Marcus, we've had a discussion many times about music when we've uh, had a chance to sit in the breaks, but I never asked you. Lots of bands have dropped members and replaced them over time, but kept their name and played the same songs. Do you think they lose their identity when this happens? And would it be better to form a new band with new musicians instead? New musicians, I should say. I've got somebody else's teeth in today. Hello, Edna. Well, there's been um, many, many bands that have um, done both. Um, at grassroots level, at our level, um, it, it can make a difference, believe it or not. Um, a few times, 
um, you play somewhere and uh, people get used to a certain lineup and a certain sound and on a Saturday night. So I suppose at all levels. Um, but at, at our level, I mean, even, even at our level, at grassroots, if you've got a name that's established um, or fairly established on your circuit, when I say established, I mean, you know, at, at our circuit, I'm playing 150 to 180 shows a year, I was. Um and uh, not, you know, not selling a, a load of vinyls and a load of CDs and, and stuff like that. It's really just entertaining people on a Saturday night. But if you've got a good name in um, a particular town or a particular venue and then you change a member, providing that um, there isn't an, a, a huge change in what you do and how you entertain and, and you, you stay fairly true to the formula, I think um, you you keep the name because the name has kind of been established with that act. So um, in the case of of us, um, we uh, we're high and dry. Ken and I are high and dry when we when we work together, but when we play as a as a trio, we face the music when we bring Lorraine in. And the reason for that is that uh, Ken was in face the music for for many many years before I joined, well before we started working together. And I said to him, keep the name, because otherwise people will wonder who you are. And, and if they know who you are, and, and I thought, well, look, you know, be, being egotistical enough, I thought, well, look, it's going to be as good as it was, because I know what I'm doing. Ken knows what he's doing. Lorraine knows what she's doing. She knows her parts. So there shouldn't be any reason for it not to be probably as good or if not better than it was. Um, so keep the name because people know who you are and it won't take people that long to get used to it. And at our level, we don't tend to get this, the same um, situation um, as a, a sort of international level. I mean, I can't think of any boy band off the top of my head. I can't think of any of them where a member has left and they've replaced them with another member. Uh, One Direction had five and then they were four. Boyzone had five and then, well, unfortunately because of Stephen Gately, that's a slightly different situation. God bless you, Stephen. Um, but they didn't try and replace Stephen because they were a five-piece. That's, well, that's what I was trying to say, really. Um, take that with five, and then they were four, and now, now they're three. Um, so they haven't tried to replace a member with somebody else. Back in the 60s, Manfred Mann had a singer who, who they, they, they either replaced with John Paul Jones or John Paul Jones was the replacement. I think... They replaced John Paul Jones. Uh, let me know on that if I'm wrong. I'll look it up later because sometimes I can't remember. But they kept it as Manfred Mann um, because that's what it was. And I think uh, even now you've got bands like The Searchers are still going out. I think there's probably only one member of maybe two of The Searchers who are original members. And the, on our circuit, um, the, on the grassroots circuit, we come across, uh, and we haven't worked with them, but uh, a few of them we have, Sweet and Slade and mud and uh 80s 80s bands like five star who was only, only two original members and they still went out as five star because that's what made them the name now that's that's fine providing that you're still playing the songs and you're, and you're still true to the songs i think uh the the change with that is that there there have been bands like um joy division towards the end of the 70s into the early 80s and joy division when they lost ian curtis um, decided to form reform as uh, New Order. And New Order were really, I think, were a different sound. Um, and you've got the House Martins, and the House Martins uh, originally had Norman Cook, who, for those of you out there, is Fatboy Slim, who's a DJ now. 
Um, and Norman Cook left, and then they uh, the Beautiful South were formed. Paul Paul Heaton formed the Beautiful South, and although it's his voice, I suppose it's slightly different. I, I look at some of the House Martin stuff, and it sounds a little bit like um, the Beautiful South. But then I suppose it's because you, that's you've got that voice there. Um, and then you've got um, uh, other other bands that have formed because of bigger bands so if you take oasis as a an idea from oasis you have noel gallagher's high flying birds and then you have bdi which was another band that liam had formed um and they kind of took it in a different direction because they didn't want to put it under the same bracket of as oasis i suppose maybe there were contractual things going on but oasis had performed without noel and maybe could have made an album without him in the case of bands like in excess when uh, when they've lost Michael Hutchin, um, they brought in, uh, took them a few years, but they brought another singer in and toured so that people could hear the songs live. But I don't think it was ever as big um, as it was when you had the original member there. So I think um, there, there are arguments for both. Um, Crowded House came from split ends. They were already, um, the two Finn brothers had been in split ends towards the end of the 70s and into the 80s. And then um, Neil Finn formed Crowded House and was in Crowded House for about five years before he brought uh, Tim Finn um, into the band. It seems like quite a strange thing to do because, you know, they, they had worked together in split ends and Tim Finn had decided he didn't want to be in Crowded House and had gone on and, and sort of released a couple of solo albums. And Neil Finn forms Crowded House and then brings Tim Finn in for one album, um, which is uh, Woodface. And it's got Weather With You and it's quite a massive album. But it was one of those things where I'd seen interviews with him and a couple of the other members of the band had said, we didn't think we needed him because we had everything there. But Neil wanted to bring him in and make him a member of the band. So that was a strange, I suppose, a situation. If you go and see Crowded House now, you, you've got Neil Finn, you've got uh, Nick Seymour on the bass, but obviously they've got a different drummer and they've got a different uh, guitar player. Originally, uh, they had... Uh, I think Neil Finn played most of it and then Tim Finn played some of it and came in. And then when Tim left, they brought in um, another Mark. Um, I forget his name. That's terrible, isn't it? But he, he was playing the guitar. So as long as it's Crowded House and as long as it's played and the songs are played, as long as it's Slade, as long as it's Sweet, as long as it's Mud and the songs are played well, then I suppose... You know, people won't worry about it too much, but there's an argument for both. It depends what the other members of the band are thinking. Um, in our case, on a Saturday night and, and grassroots music on a Saturday night, you're pretty much entertaining people with a, a wide range, and a, or you should be, a wide spectrum of styles and decades and whatever, so you've got something for everybody. So if if a member leaves... And a new member comes in. So in, in the case of High and Dry, there's been one or two occasions where um, Ken hasn't felt uh, too great and I've sung most of the songs. Or there's been one or two occasions where Lorraine hasn't been able to perform. She hasn't hasn't been well or due to sickness or whatever. Um, and Cheryl has come in, who's my other half, and she's come in. Because Cheryl's a singer and uh, like a, 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 front, a front singer, if you like, whereas Lorraine's a great backing vocalist. Cheryl, we've said to her, missing a trick if you don't sing a couple of songs. because And it's only adding to the show to have somebody else in. And as long as you stay true to the formula and carry on entertaining and, and, and having something for everybody in the audience, 
I don't think it matters, Edna. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't know if you ever saw uh, Face the Music before I joined. I don't know if you did. I hope you did because they were they were fairly well known across the, this circuit. Um, and um, but uh, but I don't. Um, I never came in to blow everybody away. I came in to do a job and to give everybody a good night. And that's what I've tried to do. Um, and that's what Ken's tried to do. Lorraine's tried to do. Uh, and we've had a lot of fun doing it. And I look forward to seeing you, um, Edna. The rumours are, my darling, that we are there on the 26th of June. Um, but uh, at the Rust Club. But um, of course, we've got to see what happens. But at the moment, it's all been confirmed and it's all going ahead. So we're kind of getting ourselves ready again because you haven't played together for a while. So we're rehearsing and getting ready because we want to give everybody a blistering night that night and do our best. So if I see you there, and I hope I do, Edna, we'll have a drink and um, say hello to George for me as well. Um, and I'll look forward to seeing you both on that date. Thank you for your question, my darling, and I hope you're keeping well and keeping safe. Andrew says, hello, Marcus. I hope you're OK. I just wondered what are the pros and cons of busking? Uh, the weather. <laughs> um I think it's um, it's busking's a good thing, and I think it's a, a very very good thing to do because I mean, I mean you you kind of you're not looking really to to entertain. It's very rare that you busk anywhere, and people will stop and listen to you for longer than a couple of songs at the most. Um, but I suppose the pros and cons are that if you have stuff to sell, if you've got CDs and stuff, people might hear you sing a couple of songs and um, and buy a CD. Um, it's your time, it's your effort, uh, and obviously the elements can play a part in that. If it's a boiling hot day or a, or a freezing cold day, um, you know, you can, the guitar's not something you can you can play with gloves on, or at least you shouldn't. Believe me, I, I've heard some buskers who I think are still wearing their gloves. And um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing to perform in any um, disguise, really. If you if you feel like doing it, get up and do it. It's, you've got nothing to lose. I mean, you get the odd group of lads come past or a group of girls come past and you know they're laughing at you. You know they're taking a mick out of you. But, um, you know, and they look, they're looking down in your guitar case. You've got about, you know, 27 pence in there. Um, but, you know, you're entertaining. You're singing a few songs. It, it doesn't hurt anybody, really. It's not causing anyone offence um, unless you're singing anything that's particularly awful or particularly relevant, you know, or... or if you if you're singing a song about politicians or singing a song about Brexit or singing a song about coronavirus or then best left alone if you're singing it in public. But most of the time, I don't think people really listen to you much. I think they sort of busily go past and and so might, might just give you a nod and say, there you are. There's a, a gentleman in Liverpool um, and I forget his name, but I will if I get a chance put it. I'll, I'll try and give him a mention next week. But he's called Danny, and he is—he's uh, been a busker for years, and he's so um, uh, unbelievable versatility. It can play everything, just plays everything, sings everything, and he puts some videos on um, YouTube. And I emailed him a few times because if I had to learn something on one acoustic, quite quite often he'd done a version of it. So I quickly give that a once over, and then write down what he what the chords were and then work it out. Saved me a lot of time trying to print stuff off. And I, I did take the time to thank him and I made a donation to him just to just to say thanks for your time and, uh, and I wish you well with what you do. But he's been a busker for years uh, around Liverpool and around that area. Um, 
And um, also Terry Terry St. Clair, who I met and I and I interviewed. If you go back and listen to the, I think it's the very first one. Um, Terry was uh, has been a busker for oh, 50 years. And although he's played other shows, he's done a bit of TV, he's made a lot of money from busking and playing his own stuff. I mean, all right, Terry's at Covent Garden. You know, he's not standing outside H&M in the middle of, uh, of Basildon Town Centre. He's got Covent Garden. So he's got, um, but it, but ultimately, he's still got to sing the songs and he's still got to do the job. And he doesn't doesn't do Covent Garden seven days a week. I'm sure there's uh, plenty of other places that Terry plays where he doesn't get that response. But if he does, and if people are there and they're enjoying it and they buy his CD because of it, and he's promoting his own material, um, I think it's a good thing. And I think busking is a good thing. And I think uh, people like Ed Sheeran wouldn't be around, wouldn't be as big as they are if it hadn't have been for busking because that's where he learned his craft. Um, that's why now he's an international star because he'd been playing so many shows in his own head for so long and he knew his songs inside out, knew his material inside out, knew how to perform it inside out. And I like to go on YouTube now and again and look at the odd thing. The people put videos on there of somebody playing drums on a few pots or something and they're busking. And there are some seriously great musicians out there. And and if you're not doing anything and you can entertain with one guitar and one one voice, um, get out there and do some. I mean, I know there are certain guidelines. I know there are certain rules you have to follow. Um, and I know there are certain areas you can't stand in and certain areas you can't play. And it used to just be you could play anywhere and set up. These days, there's usually got to be some sort of, particularly in the city as well, there has to be some sort of arrangement. Um, but I think a lot of the time, providing you are able to, you know, to, to work with the, the place you're, uh, performing in and they know you're there and you're doing it within the guidelines and within the the rules of stuff um yeah I, I would advise that everybody tries to do it the the pros are that you're performing so therefore if you're performing you might get noticed somebody might like you and like what you do uh, there are stories of people busking ed is one of them chris helm from the seahorses there's a story of him busking um, and then he was picked up by uh, John Squire, who saw him and said, look, you're a great singer. I'd like you to, to be in my band. I don't know whether it's folklore, but look, I want to believe it. Um, and then there are many things online where people are busking and then Rod Stewart stops and sings with them. There's, there's a guy busking and Jimmy Somerville sings with him um, just because they're passing by. So as if they weren't busking, they wouldn't have that sort of uh, magic moment. Whether or not it's staged, I don't know, but... I don't think some of it is. I think if I, uh, I think Seal does it. I think Will I Am does it, where he hears somebody playing one of his songs and he stops and and gets out. There's a lots of stories in folklore um, that I so want to be true, and there are things that you that you you really I I personally want them to be true. Like I want to believe that Rod Stewart genuinely was shopping and and heard somebody singing and and they were singing one of his songs and he said do you mind if I sing with you and then gather the crowd and and um you know they had this this guy had this magic moment I want to believe that Elton John has has kind of uh got off a plane somewhere and someone's been busking in the airport and he's and he's sort of joined in I want to believe that Keith Moon uh, allegedly had stopped on the way to a Who gig in America because he heard drums coming out of a garage and then went in and helped and uh, gave the kid a drum lesson. I want to believe that. Um, you know, I also want to believe that when they carried Houdini into the into the church for his funeral, that uh, one of the pallbearers is allegedly supposed to have said, I bet he's not even in here. 
which I really want to be true. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I would love that to be true. It may be disrespectful, but I think it's funny as hell if, if they said, I bet he's not even in here. That's magic. But there are music folklore stories that you want to be true. And if you do busk and you do put yourself out there, um, you've got more chance of that happening than if you're sat in your bedroom never performing to anybody singing in front of your mirror with a hairbrush. If you can do it to any level or to a half-decent level, get out and give it a go. They'll soon tell you if you're rubbish, move you along and you can set up down the road and give it another go. But um, pros are many, cons are really much, pretty much the weather and uh, and the youth of today taking a mick out of you. So there you are. Thank you for your question. Grassroots Music UK, in association with Innovation Studios, presents the ultimate one-day workshop for songwriters. Advice and analysis on songwriting techniques and methods, how songs are created, structured, recorded and produced. Tuition, analysis and guidance on how to make a great-sounding album on a bedroom budget, using recording software and digital audio workstation. Learn how effects and plugins work and the most effective way to use them. Mixing and mastering to CD, WAV and MP3. Adding album artwork, tags and songwriter info. Where to have your mastered CD copied in bulk for selling at your shows. How to upload your music to iTunes and digital media. Online radio stations and how to submit your music for airplay. Advice on venues, promotions, showcases and open mic nights in the area. To book a place and be added to the waiting list, please call 01702 836 or email innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com Jeremy in Wakering Hi Marcus and all at Innovation Studios I just wondered Ken Dodd the comedian famously went for fish and chips after his marathon shows what is your favourite after gig snack? (laughs) Really? Really? Um I don't know. I don't think I've really got anything that's obvious. I don't think, um, because we, we finish so late. I mean, when you first start, it's kebabs and stuff like that, because that's all that's available that time of night. I think given a choice, um, I don't like to eat too much before I perform. Um, but if I think if I'm honest, um, I do like to get home late at night and have just a bit of toast and a cup of tea. And that's it. I like to get home, cup, a cup of tea, nice toast, probably a bit burnt. Um, and I, I, I just love that. Sit there and, uh, yeah, that's that's probably what I've had the most, although that might just be convenience. I don't really have a favourite um, snack um, just because so many different places you play and so many different things that you do. It's always nice. Um, if you play an afternoon show to, to come home and have... Uh, and have a ruby or something, but really, um, no, I don't have a favourite. I'm sorry, I can't give you a more interesting um, answer, Jeremy. But um, I know that Ken Dodd did love his fish and chips, and I know that uh, if if um, when he used to come to your town, that all the chip shops used to try and stay open a bit later because it might be the one that he chose. So <laughs> there is a rumour about that, and South End was no exception. I used to know a gentleman that used to run the old. I think it's. Oldham's Fish Bar. I'm trying to think what it is, but it's a really, really big one. And I think Ken Dodd would play the Palace Theatre in uh, Westcliff. And they always stayed open until one or two in the morning. 
um, when they knew he was in town because they might just get because uh, because he would just pay for him and and uh, uh, notoriously I'm told at least would pay for sort of some of the crew to have some and the, and, and all have something to eat. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I loved Ken Dodd by the way, and um, what I loved about Ken um, was that he would. Um, analyze he would have people in the audience analyzing his show all the time about how people would react to things and I think it's a good um, lesson for musicians as well is to watch your audience you know look for look for little signs particularly if you're playing a working men's club or something like that or where where you could be too loud look to see if people are screaming their order over the bar look to see if people are screaming in each other's ears because um, then you sh- you kind of look at it and you go, I think we're a bit loud because people are struggling to hear. Now, if they sat down the front, of course, but if they sat halfway back and still struggling or if they look like they're making faces or or putting a finger in their ear as if to, you know, always watch your audience. Um, and if you can't, then it's nice to have uh, somebody with you to just say, keep an eye on everybody tonight. Let me know if anybody's mentioning that it's too loud or anybody's not having a good time or... Um, not that I always had plants in the audience, but sometimes I've had my family with me and I've come up in the break and um, and they've said, now it looks like everyone's enjoying it because they watch the audience as well for me and I keep an eye on what's going on. So um, I know I changed the subject a little bit there, but there's a big lesson in what Ken Dodd used to do and that was to analyse pretty much every show and um, to make a note of what people liked and what they didn't like um, and... You know, that's a massive thing for for people at grassroots level music to think about. Have a look at your audience. It's not just a case of playing what you want to play. It's not just a case of playing the songs that you like. Um, There are too many musicians out there. And uh, there's there's a couple that are on Facebook um, who are literally just telling people like myself, people like Terry St. Clair, people like John Summit and um, people like the Fabulous Feedback Band, people like the Beagles, people who have been around for years, they're basically saying, I don't want to play that old cheese like everybody else plays. I want to play better stuff and more modern stuff. And then you go on what they're playing, and you know what? It's absolute pap. They're singing what they want to sing. Let me promise you something. I'll, I'll promise you something, all right? And and if and if I never get, if you never take any advice from this, I'm good with that. But please take this bit. If you want to succeed in this business you got to understand that it ain't about what you want to play. It's about what people want to hear. And yes, it's about what you want to play when you get famous because people tap into what you're doing. And when you're playing your own stuff, it's about what you want to play. So don't write stuff that you think people will want to hear. Write stuff that's relevant to you because that's a different audience. But if you're trying to earn a crust by playing on Fridays and Saturdays and Sunday afternoons, you better have a set that people want to hear. And it's no good just playing a load of old pap that you like listening to in your room. I like Iron Maiden and I like ACDC and I love Guns N' Roses and I love Status Quo. But out of those four bands, Status Quo is the band I'm going to play the most. You know why? Because it fills the dance floor. Because everyone knows rocking all over the world and I don't care that people might look at it and go, you're a sellout. Or people like... Um, people, the, the younger generation who are trying to trying to carve their way in this in this industry, or tell me that I'm a sellout because I'm playing rocking all over the world. Let me tell you something, son. I am a sellout, and I've sold out a hell of a lot of venues because I've enjoyed 
and people who've enjoyed my show because I put their feelings and their love of music before my own. I didn't get self-indulgent. I didn't, and what I tell you what I didn't do, I didn't ridicule those that had gone before me. I didn't take the mickey out of the people that had gone before me that had played music for years and been successful at it. I took from them. And you know what? I listened to the advice that they give me. And I never took it that I knew better because I was younger. Because you know what? You don't. And it's about, if you want to get rebooked, I've talked about this, the song, not the singer. So when you get out there, when you do something, when you play, when you perform, enjoy what you do. But don't just pick the songs that you like singing. You have to pick the songs that people like hearing, which means sometimes giving a bit of yourself. On a Saturday night, you're at work. And I can't think of a single job out there where people go to work and love every single thing about it. They love every single part of it. They'd even work through their lunch hour if they could. They love it so much. You've got targets. You work in a bank on a during the week, you've got targets. If you work in, in the stock exchange, if you work as an estate agent, if you work in any office, if you work in schools, you have targets. Your targets are to meet those targets in order that you will then um, carry on doing the job that you're doing. Because if you don't meet the targets, you're out on your backside. Now, if my target on a Saturday night is to make sure that as many people in the audience go home happy. And if people are going home unhappy because I'm too loud, because I'm too egotistic, because I'm too inexperienced, and because I'm playing stuff that I want to play. As soon as you hear the expression, he's good at what he does, you're finished. You are toast, all right? When people say things like that, um, he's good at what he does, that means they don't like you, okay? When people say he's good at what he does, it means they don't like you. And it doesn't matter how you dress it up. It's, that's it, you know? No, you're good at what you do. Yeah, no good. You need to be good at what they listen to. You need to be good at what they want. And that's the difference. Anyway, look, that was a bit of a rant, but I care about this business. People ask me, are they going to succeed in this business? People don't say, hey, Marcus, you're such a role model. You've done 30 years. I've done 30 years. I never expected to do 30 years. I didn't expect to do 30 minutes. I didn't expect to do 30 weeks. And I've done 30 years. And the reason I've done it is because I am a musical prostitute. I will play and do whatever the client want me to do in order that they will want me back and I will go back and I will perform for them again. When I play in a care home, I don't play loud stuff. I do the job. And that's the truth. If somebody wants you to fit a carpet and they want a white carpet and you tell them that the white carpet, okay, it's going to show marks, but they insist on having the white carpet. You don't go in and fit a black one because you think, I've made that decision, I've fitted a black one for you. I know it's not what you wanted, right? But it won't show the stains. You bloody fit what they want you to fit. And you paint, you use the right colour paint when you're painting someone's house. And you use the right bloody spanner when you're fixing someone's engine. So if you're performing on a Saturday night, play stuff that people want to hear. Because all that self-indulgent stuff that you want to listen to, you can practice with that and strengthen your voice. So that you can go out on a Saturday night and make that show better. God bless you all for listening, all right? All of you out there, take care. Another brilliant week. I've had fun listening 
or, or had fun answering your questions. This is always a difficult bit. I never know, know how to say goodbye, so I'm going to keep it short. Um, I'll be back next week. Thank you for your subscriptions. Thank you very much for your questions. Thank you very much for your uh, WhatsApp messages and your emails. And thank you very much for your time. Um, I want to say a big hello to Reese, by the way, who is out there. He called me a couple of days ago. He was out on the road. Uh, he's a long distance driver and he's he was out on the road and he was listening. He said, I listen to all your podcasts, Marcus. I love it. So I said, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give him a shout. So Reese, I hope you're okay, mate. And say hello to Tay for me. Um, and I'll see you very soon. Um, hopefully for some more guitar lessons. Everybody out there, Grassroots Music UK is the YouTube channel. www.innovationstudios.com is the website. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on Skype, and you can message me in a plethora of different ways. Look, I'm out of here, all right? You take very good care. I'm going to love you and leave you. Yours in Music signing off. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.